Here on our podcast, we've had the opportunity to discuss many different subjects and meet a lot of great people. We've interviewed them, we found out about things in their life, what makes them tick, and their road to audacious faith. And as we go through some subjects that are hot on the presses these days, I'm going to touch on one today that could be a little bit controversial. It's one that causes a lot of emotions to be stirred, but it is up front and center in our news today, once again, as it has been many times in the past, and that is the issue of abortion. Now, before you react one way or the other, let me just say that fortunately, God has things to say from the Bible when it comes to this subject. And instead of just going on our emotional presuppositions of what we have coming in, we want to take a real honest and hopefully balanced look at this subject today. So please stay with me. And if you are blessed by this or encouraged by the perspective that we're going to go in, make sure you share this podcast with others. It's going to be our title and subject today on this episode of the Audacious Faith Podcast. Well, welcome back to the podcast. And before I go any further, I just want to encourage you right now, if you have not subscribed, can you help us out and go ahead and click, if you're on YouTube, that little bell button, or if you're watching this somewhere else, I'm sure there's a subscription to whatever podcast location you are watching or listening to this from. But today we're going to talk about a subject that definitely brings up a lot of emotions on all sides. And it's not a new subject. It's one that's been debated hotly in our country here in the United States for quite a long time. In fact, I was thinking about this, and way back in high school for me, which is way back, back in the 1980s, we were having these debates and discussing this in the classroom, and I remember giving a speech when it came on the issue of abortion. And I had people that were definitely right there with me, and I had other students, people that I knew, normally my friends, and they were really getting mad at me at some of the things that I was saying. It causes these type of emotions to be stirred up in people, and you can see this in the way that it's dividing people in our country right now. It seems that when it comes to this issue, people tend to go and say, hey, if you don't feel the way I do on this issue, I am ready to just throw you under the bus and then once you're under the bus, I'm going to run you over. And then once I've run you over, I think I'm going to put it in reverse and I'm going to go back over you again. And then I'm going to run you over it again. Isn't it sad that something like this can become so divisive? But let's take a look at it today, an honest look from all sides of the issue. I'm going to do my very best to do so. But I want to tell you that on a podcast like this called Audacious Faith, there is a foundation of everything that I will try to portray to you. I don't want to get on here and share my opinions because I have an opinion, yes, but so do you, and so does someone else, and so does someone else. Who's to say that one opinion is more weighty than another because all of us are just human beings and just that's what we have is opinion, 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 opinion. But is there one opinion, one view, one 
true final authority of truth that we can go to that helps us to know what it is that we're supposed to believe. I can tell you on this issue, I can see it from all sides of it. And just from a human standpoint, there's many arguments that come out from other people on this particular subject that as a human being, I see it and I would be more than happy to go with that. But when I look at the final authority of truth that doesn't ask for us to say whether we like it or not, or whether we agree with it or not, it's the authority. Things are either true or they're not. And despite what people say today that all truth is relative, no, it isn't. Now, let me give you an example for, for, for this case. Let's take a person and they say, you know what my truth is? My truth is that I'm a bird and I can fly. And so I'm going to go up to a high building and I'm going to jump off of this building and I'm going to flap my arms really hard. And because I believe that I'm a bird and that's my truth, it's going to be what's going to happen. But you and I both know, or at least I hope you know, that if you go up to a rooftop and you try to just jump off and flap your wings, despite the fact that you think your truth is that you're going to fly, you're not going to fly. You're going to fly only far enough to hit the pavement. And that's what it is. Certain things just are true no matter what public opinion says or private opinion says. So let's look at this issue of abortion, which is totally right now in the front lines of our headlines every single day uh, at the time of this recording and is causing a lot of emotions to stir up. I want to start off with Psalm 139. And as I get to Psalm 139, I want to look beginning at verse 13. It says, the psalmist writes, For you created my most inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Now check this part out. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, I look at this passage and I find it to be quite, quite encouraging. And the reason it's encouraging to me is because I see that this intimate relationship that I can have now with God did not just begin recently. God was watching over me and every single one of us before it says we even had a single day that we actually lived. That while in our mother's womb, which by the way, none of us remember being there, I'm sure, God was already weaving us together, specially creating us and causing us to be able to then be exactly who we came out to be. Now, this is important because part of the issues that we have today when it comes to abortion or when it comes to so many other things that we consider, hey, is this right or is this wrong, comes to this foundation of truth. If we consider ourselves to believe in the truth that we are not an accident, that God created us specifically, that he had us in mind, as the psalm, psalmist here said, that he knew the days that were going to be in our life before we even lived a single one of them, then that means that we have a creator who loves us, a creator that 
perfectly knit us together and a creator who has plans for our life and a creator that has set a standard that we are now accountable to. However, if we throw God out of the picture, like many choose to do, and say, oh no, we're just an accidental product of some infinitesimal random bang in the universe that just happened to happen, then we remove all truth, we remove all responsibility, we remove anything that I'm saying right here. So that's the foundation that's got to be first. Are we created by a God that we are now accountable to, who loves us, who made us, or are we just an accident? And if we believe that we're just an accident, that it's just an end of a random process, then certainly in our mind that gives us an attitude that anything goes and there are no absolute truth. But I want to go from the foundation that I have a God who made me, loves me, cares for me, and the same thing is true for each one of you. Now, if that is true, then we know this. When it comes to abortion or anything else, our God is an all-powerful God, and people of faith know this. But one thing we also know, that every day of our lives, and not just now, but from the very beginning that man and women were created, God has given us freedom of choices. We've had choices. Isn't that true? We can choose to do right. We can choose to do wrong. We're not puppets. Now, why is this important and why did God do this? God did this because of the fact that if we were puppets and we could not truly worship him, it would not be genuine. We could not truly, as the Bible tells us, love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. How would it really be love if we were forced to do it? If you've ever seen a puppet show or if you've watched something like The Muppets on TV at Sesame Street, whatever it is, and, and you've seen this and a puppet says something and does something and makes a movement, you're probably impressed at the skill of the puppeteer, but you're not necessarily impressed by the sincerity of the puppet because if Kermit the Frog or whoever it is happens to look the direction of someone else and say, oh, I just want to tell you, I've been thinking about you all the time and I have such a great love for you, you would say to yourself, well, Kermit the Frog has no choice but to say that because whoever is commanding the puppet and the movements is causing him to move that way, causing him to speak that way, and is putting the words in his mouth. But if Kermit the Frog, or just like Pinocchio that once was a puppet and then became a real boy, if Kermit the Frog actually had an opportunity to either say I love you or I hate you, to say I'll follow you or I won't, then when he chooses to do that of his own free will and makes that choice, what we know about it is that's genuine. That actually means something. So God has given us choices Every day, whether to obey or disobey, to honor him or dishonor him, to uphold uh, his commandments or to break them, correct? And so choices are something that's been a part of our life ever since. Now let's take another fact that we should hopefully know when it comes to our human existence. And that is that in the realm of the universe that God has created and where we live, there are two different forces which are present. And we see these forces every day. They're the forces of good and the forces 
of evil. And looking back into the Bible, we see this coming to the forefront. We see God's relationship with mankind. And then we also see the evil one who came and entered into the garden onto the scene in the form of the serpent and caused Adam and Eve to be faced with a choice of obeying what God had told them to do or not obeying. Now, when they took a look at the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were told by God to not eat of that tree because the day that they would eat thereof, they would surely die. Now, that's something that would cause you to stay away from that tree, correctly? Right? So if I tell you, let's go back to my example, and if I tell you, look, if you go to the top of that building and you jump off the top of that building and just try to flap your arms, you're going to fall down 10 stories, you're going to go splat on the pavement, and you're going to die. What should that hopefully do for you? That should hopefully say that even though I've been told not to jump off the top of the building, uh, and although I have the choice to jump off the top of the building, I don't think I'm going to make that choice because of the consequence of what's going to happen if I do so. I'm free to do it, but that doesn't mean that I want to do it. So what does the evil one do? He's done it all the way from the beginning. He comes along and he tries to take away the consequence of the action. He went to Eve in the garden and he said, you won't surely die, will you? And he caused her to doubt. And he said, you know what? The only reason you're being told not to do this is because God is holding you back. And God is knowing that if you are to eat of this tree, you'll be like him. You won't need him. You'll know good and evil, and you'll be your own free agent. So he's just trying to control you. And so what the evil one did is said, hey, you know what? You're, not, you're thinking you're going to drop dead right there? No, you're not. And he tries to take away the consequence. And when the consequence appeared to be taken away and she saw how good it looked and she saw what it could possibly do for her and realizing all of that, she gave in to the temptation and then she did it. She went and ate of that fruit. Well, the devil's strategy has always been to remove the consequences of an action so that you will go ahead and do that action. Now, we're going to go through some things here that you're going to say, wait a minute, I, what does this have to do with abortion? But you've got to stick with me on this, okay? Because all of this is foundational to the ultimate choice that we're then going to make when it comes to whether to keep a child or whether to abort that child. And I am using child because I believe it is a child. I want to use that term very carefully. Today we will hear this argument and we'll hear it over and over again. My body, my choice. And I want to tell you that I actually agree with that phrase. Right? We've had this come up, for instance, another controversial topic in the last year or two, over forced vaccinations. And people will come along with the same argument that's been used with abortion for the longest time and say, hey, wait a minute, what happened to my body, my choice? You can't just tell me what I have to put in my body, what has to be injected, and, and all of these type of arguments that came up. I do agree, my body, my choice. God gives us a body, and he wants us to take care of it, and he gives us choices on what it is that we do with it. 
That is fundamentally true, and I agree with that 100%. So what is it that we do with that? The Bible tells us that our body, we are supposed to understand something, especially if we're people of faith or if we're acknowledging the fact that we've been created by God. And that is that God has given us a body, but as people that love him and follow him, it's not just our own. If we have a relationship with God, the Bible tells us that the body now is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we've actually been bought with a price, okay? And that price was the blood of Jesus on the actual cross. God wants us to use our bodies properly and take care of them. And that involves a lot of different areas. So for example, the Bible tells us about how it is that we should feed our bodies. Should we do it in such a way that we're overeating, which a lot of us are tempted to do, I will tell you, that I've lost some weight right now, but I was like 30 pounds heavier than I am right now just a few short months ago. Why? Because I ate too much, plain and simple. And I didn't do other things that were important to my body. For example, I was not exercising very much. The biggest exercise I was getting was walking to the refrigerator and back and raising the fork and lowering it. That was my exercise program as I continued to not really take care of my body the way that I should. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't feel well, didn't have a lot of energy. It was hard to tie my shoes. Sometimes it was hard to see my shoes. It, it was not the way that I needed to be. And so I'm responsible for making choices to take care of my body. The same thing is true when it comes to what we do with our body when it comes to sexual activity. All right? So a lot of people will say today, are you pro-life or are you pro-choice? And I'm going to tell you right now, that I'm both. I'm both pro-life because I believe that every life is precious, including that life that's in the womb. And I believe that people have a choice to an extent. All right? The Bible tells us, for instance, that sexual um, activity is supposed to be limited to a particular type of relationship. The Bible tells us to keep that in the relationship of marriage. That's where it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to be doing it outside of marriage, either before, during, or after. It's supposed to be within the marriage context. Now, I know when I say that, a lot of people will say, are you kidding me? Nobody follows that anymore. That doesn't change the fact that that's the parameter that God has set up. And when that parameter is followed, by the way, most abortions would never even be considered as far as a choice on whether to do that or not. I will say this, that abstinence is basically 100% effective, all right? I said the other day in a post that I made, I said it's 99.99% effective, and a person responded to me and said, well, in what case would it not be effective except for the virgin birth of, of Mary herself? And I was allowing for the fact that there are some heinous crimes that do take place, like rape, incest, and those types of things, which do happen, which obviously, I guess you could say that's not necessarily willing. Obviously, that's not willing activity on the, on the part of the person. And so true abstinence where no sexual um, encounter takes place obviously would be 100%. But I threw that in there just because of the fact that occasionally terrible things like that do happen. All right, and we'll discuss that in just a little bit. But my body, my choice. All right, is a person pro-choice? Well, yes, we can choose 
and have the choice whether to honor God with our bodies or whether to go ahead and do just what we feel like doing. All right? So a lot of the arguments that you'll hear when it comes to pro-choice is, well, I don't have anyone to help me take care of this child. I'm not ready uh, to have this child uh, because I'm not in a steady relationship and not in a, in a steady situation. I'm not in a place where I had this in my plans to take care of this child. Understand that. If that is the case, then we need to make the choice to take the precautions that are needed, and we need to make the choice not to be putting ourselves in a situation, and I'm speaking to both men and women here, not just the women, the men are just as responsible as well, in a situation where you're going to create, through God's creation, you're going to do this and have this life uh, take place. All right, we have pro-choice when it comes to all these choices that we can make. But once the choice has been made and conception takes place and this interweaving and everything that the Bible mentions is taking place in the mother's womb and this life is now there, that's where the choice, the time for choices was passed. That's where choices now end. Because we do not have the opportunity or the right to then take away the life of another human being, which is exactly what we're, we're dealing with right here. But with all of that being said, let me just come here from a very sensitive standpoint. I want to point out something which is very important. And that is when it comes to the victims of abortion, many times people just take a look and say, well, the victims are the unborn children. The victims are the children that then do not have the opportunity to then enter into this world and live the life that was meant for them. These are the victims, and that is definitely true. But there is a category of victims that often are not considered. And I will tell you that back in high school when I was having this argument, I didn't get this either. Until in years of ministry and at times when I've had the opportunity to counsel and to spend some time with and to speak with several women that have encountered this type of issue in their life, let me tell you that often victims of abortion and the argument and what's being portrayed today are also some of the mothers themselves that have ended up making the choice at that particular time to abort their child. Often there's complications health-wise. Often there's situations where they want to have a child later and now for some reason they're not able to do so. And even taking that aside and saying that that doesn't happen because some people will say that just sounds like scare tactics. Well, it's very real for a lot of people. There's also a lot of guilt, regret, wondering if they made the right decision. I've had mothers that say, you know, I just long to hopefully, you know, see my, my baby in heaven because I believe that, you know, the Bible now teaches that, you know, all children, especially under the age of a certain accountability, will go to be in heaven. And I would concur with that. I believe that the Bible does say that. Um, so we, we can't overlook this. 
Many times these arguments are thrown out there and there's media talking points and, and people trying to get their agenda across and so they just gaslight this issue. We're seeing that so much right now in the media. Things that are being said of certain decisions are overturned that aren't even true. Uh, oh, it's going to lead to this, that there's no connection whatsoever. Um, it's going to make it so everyone's having illegal, you know, procedures in back alleys and vans and they're dying and, and all of this, which is totally um, inaccurate. If Roe versus Wade were to be overturned, all that does is turn it back to the voters in each individual state. It doesn't just make it where suddenly you cannot do this anywhere. There's still going to be choices that people have that are being made. These choices are not being taken away. It's just going back to the states instead of the federal government. So a lot of gaslighting and everything that's just going on, and people get caught up. I've heard things like if, if you are against you know, a, a, a woman's right to abortion, and then once that gets overturned, then the next thing they're overturning is the ability for interracial marriage. And, and, and this argument's been going around. It's like, where do you get that from? Um, and, and that one thing has absolutely nothing to do with the other. And by the way, just so you know, there is no such thing as interracial marriage because there's one race, the human race, no matter what skin color or, or wherever it is, there, there is no such thing. So that doesn't even make any sense. But this is all being thrown out there and there's a lot of victims and a lot of hurt on both sides. We need to be sensitive like when I'm sharing this right now, if you're out there and you know someone, or even if yourself have been where there's been, you know, an abortion in the past and, and maybe now you've been dealing with some of this for years, let me just say that God loves you. Uh, God is a forgiving God. God is a God of grace. And my heart goes out to you because so many have suffered on this issue on all sides. Okay? But... So let's consider that there's many victims, and it's not just the children themselves. Now let's get to one other argument here, because it comes up every time. By the way, not new. All the way back in the 80s when I was in high school. Yes, back in the last century. This came up a lot back then. Well, what about abortion? What, do you, what about in the case of rape and incest? Because these are very real things, right? What about in those cases? So let's discuss this for just a moment. The first thing I want to point out is that rape and incest are horrible crimes. And whenever these things occur, let's not minimize it for a second. These things should never happen. And when they do, it's a horrible thing. There's never an excuse for it. There's never a justification for it. It's 100% wrong. And if it could be more than 100% wrong, it would be. Because that's how terrible it is. Anyone that's been a victim of one of those crimes, our heart needs to go out to them. Our prayers need to go out for them, and we need to be there for them as much as possible. It's never something that the person deserved, that they brought on themselves in any particular way, and it's a crime that should be prosecuted and dealt with to the fullest extent. But at the same time, Let's understand something. When this is being used as the example, that's less than 1% of the total abortions that are taking place rampantly in the United States every single year. Over 1 million children are aborted every single year. Most of those are not due to rape or incest. 
in fact, less than 1%. So when we're going to base our entire argument and the emotions going back and forth, throwing that thing out there, you're talking about hardly anybody that we're dealing with. Now, that doesn't minimize the importance of those people that have had that happen, but let's understand that this is not the main crux of the argument when it comes to the abortion issue, and to say that, that it is, and to throw that thing out there all the time has nothing to do with the majority of what we're talking about when it comes to this particular issue, all right? Horrible crimes. But let's say that that did occur, because I do want to deal with it. I don't want to ignore it, all right? Let me ask you this question. Uh, what if you found out suddenly that it was uncovered that in your family's past there was a horrible person? I mean, they just did some heinous crimes, terrible crimes against humanity, crimes that should never be tolerated, crimes that are almost unimaginable. They did some terrible things to people, all right? And this is discovered, right? And then because of that, they come to you now and they say, well, look, because this person in your family did this and was a horrible person and was deserving of death, now you, you need to die. All right? You would say to yourself, wait a minute. Wait, I, I, I agree that it's a horrible thing, but why do I need to die? And you're like, well, because you know you're a product that comes from them. And that has descended down to you. They, they were a horrible person, which then ended up producing what led to producing you. So because of that, now you need to die. That doesn't sound right, right? We have no control over what this particular relative or this person in our past did. Now, as horrible as it is, when rape and incest takes place, it's still, that rape and incest was not created or was not done or perpetrated by the child. It just wasn't. The child is a product of that, but the child has absolutely nothing to do with it. So as hard as it might be, we still can't do two wrongs, as we've always been told, hopefully as a child, two wrongs do not make a right. And as sympathetic as I'm trying to be, and as sympathetic as I can understand that it would be a horrible thing to want to be reminded of and to have to go through, if you don't want to keep the child, the Bible doesn't say that we have to actually raise the child you may choose to raise the child because it's, that child is still half from you and created by God. But if you just can't do it, there are adoption issues that are there and, and are available and everything. It's not the child. And a God who is still controlled can still make something beautiful out of something that was horrible. And we have to understand that God is still in control and we have to not perpetrate one horrible thing with doing something else. The last thing I want to discuss on this, because I know at this point some of you agree, some of you maybe have been persuaded one way or another, and there's a few of you that are watching this video that I know emotions are so high on this and hurts are so high on this that you might be a little bit irritated at me at this point. And I, and I want to say that that has definitely not been my intention. It's just my desire to speak what I believe the Bible says is truth. And if we fail to do that, we put ourselves in a situation where 
You know what they say, if you fail to take a stand for something, then you stand for nothing. And none of us should ever be in that situation. So I felt that God really wanted me to share these truths with you today. The last thing I want to say as we conclude this podcast is this. No matter where you stand on the issue, and no matter what you've been through, I believe it's very important that for all involved, whether you agree with them or not, we need to pray for everyone that's involved. Pray that they'll find peace in their heart. Pray that they'll find the love of God and the peace that passes all understanding. We need to learn to be compassionate for one another, and we need to learn to be caring for one another. Let's not fall into the trap of divisive hate that we're seeing taking place in our nation today. It's designed by the evil one, no matter where you stand on the issue. Hate and division is designed by the evil one. Let's not fall for it. Let's come together. Let's be compassionate and loving to one another. And let's understand that at the end, God has said that each one of us has great value. He has made us, he loves us, and he wants us, as his word tells us, as much as it depends on us, let's try to be at peace with everyone. Amen? Well, this has been an interesting podcast, to say the least. I would appreciate your comments, whether you like it or whether you didn't. I'm interested in what you have to say. So make sure that you contact me, connect with me, jgothiersenior at gmail.com, or that name on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. I look forward to connecting with you and having a little bit of an interaction uh, back and forth. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for joining me today. If this has been of value to you, make sure to pass it on. This has been the Audacious Faith Podcast. We'll see you next time. God bless. God bless.